All right, Sunday night, 7 o'clock time for another edition of the Sports Phone here on KZYX. Jerry in Oregon, Jim in the Philo studio. Jim, happy Sunday to you. Happy Sunday to me and you too. It's uh, just got back from Portland, Jerry. I watched you yeah. coach. I watched you coach two games. Uh, boy, what a table is turned with Dad up in the crowd and Jerry circled by fourteen-year-olds and <laughs> and running the show in a basketball game. That was very, yeah, two very games exciting. and a practice too. You got to you got to see the whole kind of the whole thing. It was. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Uh, I got to see one close game that we lost, and then a game we won pretty convincingly. Uh, came to a practice. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I think the most interesting thing for me was seeing you up in the crowd, because even when you weren't officially coaching, you still kind of sat on the bench a lot of the time or, you know, were involved in some way. But this was the first time I think I ever remember you being totally disconnected. You were just being a fan. Uh, but uh, glad you enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad you, you had a good time and we were able to put together a couple good games for you. You there, Jim? Talk about a good game. You were down 15 at halftime in the first game against an undefeated team. Yeah. Rallied back, lost by one, back and forth. You know, came back real quick in the third and then back and forth for the rest of the game. Whoever was ahead for that last buzzer wins the game that was exciting yeah, yeah. we had uh, multi- with multiple chances to win that game we and had then, a couple really really good looks and we just didn't make them and then the uh the program that you're involved with showed very clearly on on what your school was all about i mean your 14 year olds look like uh they were five years older than the next team you played they're 14 yeah. year olds jara um let's take a quick call we got a call Hello, Cole. You're on the air. Um, hi there. Did I did I hear a new song on the sports phone? A new intro song? Jer, go ahead. Ex- explain it, Jer. We changed the song. No one can tell us we have a song by a pedophile anymore. There you go. And All right. Well done. I, I like the song. Not by Thank a pedophile, but, but by a pedophile. Written by a pedophile. Right. Excuse me. <laughs> and, and it was, um, yeah, uh, just for... Now that it's got brought up by a caller, thanks for the caller call, by the way. I'm, I'm going to take another call in a second, but thanks for the call. Okay, I'm going to hang up. Thank you. Um, what, I, what I like, Jer, is that song is from um, Space Jam. And, uh, it, so I've told you this several times. It is, it is in Space Jam. It was not written uh, for Space Jam. All right, all right. But, yes, the, the, the song is probably most known for it is used – in Space Jam when the Toon Squad makes their comeback to start the second half uh, of the game. Um, but yeah, it was not written for that movie specifically. But it so, is it is a fun song. It's energetic. It's up-tempo. I'm, I'm glad we talked about the song. We talked about the song too much last week. Hopefully we're not going to talk about it all again this week, but we got another call. You're on the air. Hi, this is Tim from Moscow, Idaho. Hey, and, hey Tim. Uh, I just had to call about the the new theme song. I at, after last week's show, I I felt the sands of change were in the air. I don't mix my <laughs> metaphors, but anyway. Uh, and then throughout the week, I your promos were featuring "Get Ready to Rumble." Oh, and I, I it, it appears that the the deal was done. But I would vote for Zombie Nation um, <laughs> simply be, simply because there's no words to it and, and 
Are you ready to rumble? Uh, it's a it's a talk show, <laughs> and rumbling sounds a little sounds a little rough for the action. So there you go. I still I'm still voting for Zombie Nation. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. All righty. Bye bye. All right, you ready to start the show now, Jer? Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. So if you are new to the sports phone, we've already got a couple people that have called in. So uh, those people clearly know what's going on here. But if you are just tuning in for the first time, this is an open forum sports talk show. Uh, Very simply put, Jim and I are here as sports fans, athletes, coaches, players. You know, we've been involved in every way, shape and form. Uh, We like to spend this one hour a week talking about sports and anything going on in the world of sports. Um, It can be at the professional, college, high school, rec league level, whatever it is, wherever it is in the world, as long as it is adjacent to or related sports, we want to hear about it. So you can give us a call at 707-895-2448 if you've got anything you want to talk about going on in the world of sports. Again, whatever you'd like, and if you've got a topic you want to bring up, you can give us a call, 707-895-2448. So looking forward to taking more calls. As we get going here on the sports phone, just in the first you know, couple of minutes. But yeah, you can give us a call, 707-895-2448. You know, Jer, some weeks I, this is like totally me, probably. But some weeks I feel like there's so much going on in the world of sports that I barely have to make a list. And, and other weeks, like this week, it seems like there's lots going on. Other weeks... I, I'm worried that, that the, no one's going to call, that there's nothing big happening in sports. seems like there's a lot going on right now. There's craziness in the NFL. There's a Super Bowl coming up. The NBA is getting exciting. Um, baseball's on a lockout. I mean, it just, it just seems like there's a lot going on in sports right now. And, and, and you know, high school sports is making a, a comeback after COVID a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, it seems like one of those yeah, weeks. Plenty, plenty, plenty going on. Absolutely. Yeah. Plenty plenty of stuff going on. Uh, if you want to give us a call and talk about any of it, 707-895-2448 or Jim and I have got plenty of stuff to bring up. And if any of that uh, piques your attention, you can give us a call and comment on whatever Jim and I are talking about as well. Yeah, phones are open. Uh, give us a call. I'm going to start right with uh, sort of our new way of doing this on this day in sports. It was uh, Jerry used to pick one and I used to pick one. And oh, I, right. Now you just cheat and pick like seven. I pick all the interesting ones and let Jerry comment <laughs> on them or, or, let, or let people call up and comment on them. Sure. So this is all all happened on February 6th. First one was the year my mom was born, I think. February 6th, 1926. Interesting day for the NFL. Students were... T- um, College students were told they could not play in the NFL until their class graduated from college. Even if they dropped out, they could, if, if someone went in in 2014, they couldn't play um, in the NFL until their class, to the year their class graduates, which would be 2018. That's an interesting rule. That thing's been, especially in the NBA, that, that rule's been kicked around forever. Yeah, it's been it's been kicked around and and you know moved around a little bit, um, but it's actually not entirely inaccurate or like un- unsimilar to what the current NFL rule is. The current NFL rule is, is three it? years out of high school. So oh, if really? you take that if if you take that as you have to be a finish your junior year, junior year versus ineligible until college classes gra- until college classes graduates. If if that if if I'm interpreting that correctly, where it says like your class has to have graduated, 
it's only a year difference unless huh. it's saying that you know it, you can I guess I'm eligible as soon as your as soon as the school year is done. But yeah, and if it's if it's saying you couldn't become eligible until your college ca- class graduated, then it's only a one year difference. That's an interesting. Um, that is interesting. It really isn't that much different. But uh, as compared to the NBA, which is it, which has changed lots of times, and it is much more. You want to quickly go over the rules to get in the NBA right now? Uh, like, I, I believe it's 19 or one year out of college. Um, I'd have to pull up the official. Uh, I think you have to be 19. And you don't have to go to college. Right. That's right. that's why I said 19, 19 or, or one year out of college. All right. In 1958, February 6, 1958, Ted Williams signed the biggest contract, $135,000 for the year in 1958. Do you, do, you, do you know what the current highest salary in Major League Baseball is? No. What is it? You want to take a stab at it? One year, not not a, not a multi-year contract. One year, Ted Williams in 1958 got 135,000. I'm guessing someone's getting 4 million for the year. Oh, you're you're way, uh higher. Much higher. How much higher? Uh Max Scherzer makes 43.3 million dollars a year. Per year. Jeez. Yeah, per year. Boy, that's a lot more than 135,000. All yeah, right. he's currently on a he's currently on a three year one hundred thirty million dollar contract. Wow, seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. Some people's here thinks that's obscene. Um, I always say, you know, I never hear people complain about actors and and um, uh, you know, the person that leads Apple or Microsoft, they're the best in their field. They make un- amounts of money. You don't see people complaining about their salaries as much as you do about uh, the best in the sports sports world. It's really all about entertainment, how much money they bring in. 1970, February 6th. The NBA, this is a great one. On February 6th, 1970, the NBA adds the Buffalo Braves, the Cleveland uh, Cleveland basketball team, I'm, I'm assuming it was the Cavaliers, the Houston Rockets, and the Portland Trailblazers all came on the same day, February 6, 1970. Yep. There's never been a day like that in the NBA, I would think. Uh, I can't. The last expansion, I believe, was just one team. I, or, I can't I can't remember. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's a that's a big number for an expansion. For for amount yeah. of expansions, and, yeah. and and by the way, that brought them to eighteen teams. And right now, after the merger with the ABA and 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 all that, I think we have thirty two teams now. Yes, correct. And nineteen seventy one. I hate it when I can't read my handwriting, Jer. <laughs> you want me to take this one for you? Oh, oh the first, no, no, the 1971. You're cheating. You're following me, aren't you? Uh, yeah, well, I have to stay ahead of you because if you want me to true. comment on stuff. That's true. 1971, <laughs> um, Alan Shepard drove the first golf ball on the moon. So that that's a... Uh... So if you hit a golf ball, that thing's just going to float away, right? So that ball's just somewhere in space now? you got to have sort of the opposite of what we have for a tee now. Right now, we put the ball on a tee... I think on the moon you got to put something instead of under the ball. You got to put something on top of the ball. Right. Of course, so that doesn't. No, I, do understand, any... I understand that, but my question is: once he hits that ball, now what? Is it? It's just out there, right? Because there's no gravity. 
It, exactly, but I have there's a there, there's not no gravity. If if there was no gravity, you'd see those guys walking around. They wouldn't be floating. They would just be taken off. Right. The moon has a, not a lot of gravity. Not a lot of gravity. So my question is, will the ball sit there if you're really careful with it until you hit it? I don't. Sure. Know. That's don't a fair know. question. Anyways, that was 1971. Now that's a, that's a pretty big day in sports. Those, yeah, those, those those are four big years, 1926 to 1971. The rest of the stuff that happened after 71 seemed a little boring to me. Got a call, Jer. All right, you're on the air with a sports phone. Wow, a the, new song. A new that's in, <laughs> <laughs> Jim. You really didn't think people were going to comment about the new song? Come we on, were hoping you get. You guys are modernizing. You guys are getting hip. We're we're hoping. I I got more I got more text saying this the song was no good than it was good, the new one. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, it definitely catches you off guard. You're kinda like, wait a minute, what? Did KPYX change their programming again? Jamie. Oh no, it was uh, I thought it was good, but uh yeah, I mean whatever, Space Jams, whatever. Um, anywho, it, it was it was fine, um, but great great start. I love some of the topics, but I disagree, Jim. This is a week I find boring because there's two All Stars weekend. The NHL and football have their All Star games. You talk about boring and ridiculous basketball. You mean? Time. No, no, hockey and football. The Pro Bowl. Oh, oh, oh! Right, right, right. So, so to huh. me, I found this weekend to be a complete, like, uh, boring waste of my time. Huh. I mean, there's plenty of other stuff going on, but it's just, you know, those are like the big highlight things for the weekend. And, yeah, eh, I don't know. But, yeah, there Vince, is you know the, you know the, saving, so the saving grace for me of the, of the All-Star weekend is, again, both the games could care less. The, the NHL skill competition is very fun to watch. It's the best one, I think. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. NBA, their I their version of the NBA dunk three point, like three point cut. That their version of that is really entertaining. I absolutely love it. You guys are the third third person that has well, told me that. I'm going to have to go back and watch it. I'm telling you, Jim. It's it, it, first off. I've never ice skated. I've, I think I've tried once, and it didn't go very well. And so for me to see like six six two twenty pound guys who can move on skates and handle a stick and hit it. Um, I, I just don't understand it. I, it. It's the most impressive sport to me, I think. Like, I, I grew up crazy. on the ice, which sure. neither, yeah, neither yeah. of you did. I grew up in New York and Vermont where, you know, we made ice skate rinks in our backyard. We, we, fro we went out and shoveled off frozen ponds. We played, mm -hmm. we played hockey with broomstick as little kids. We ice skated. We, we raced on skates. So, so what I always say about people that question hockey, oh, it's too fast, or this, that is, you can watch hockey and not even realize that they're on skates, that that's how good the skaters they are. It's so amazing. I've actually grown to be a hockey fan over the years. I think everyone should try to skate before they rate you know, what they think of, of hockey. <laughs> Absolutely. So it, to, to get to my, my topic for the evening for you guys, and hopefully this is the good one, I don't know. But I was watching, because it, to me it was such a, a boring weekend, I was, I was watching cross-country skiing um, in the Winter Olympics. And as a cross-country runner, huh. I can you know, kind, of, kind of relate to what it takes to be a distance person. But they were doing an 18-mile course with like a hill and all kinds of stuff. I could just imagine what their legs were going through, what they were going through in that cold air, trying to breathe. 
it, it blew my mind, and it made me think of what what is the most difficult sport that I've tried that I was just like, there's no way, i.e. hockey. Like, there's no way. I, I, I don't see myself ever being able to be even a, a rec league hockey. Like, I wouldn't play pickup hockey because I probably would fall down the whole time. Yeah, but it would be like you'd have to learn how to skate first, and 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 yeah, it'd be like course. saying I'm going to play basketball. I'm going to I'm going to cross country run, but I got to learn how to run first. I mean that that's right. That's a, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to, totally. to compare. What, what yeah, is, which is why my, which is why my most difficult thing I've ever tried, which is athletic, maybe not a sport, but I think it's a sport, is rock climbing. Oh, that 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 to me was like. Amazing the the core strength you have to have the focus, and I did it for a little bit when I was in New Hampshire and Vermont for a little while. Uh, it really was wow. That's a tough one. You want to go next year? What's the hardest sport you've ever done that that isn't your primary sport? Because I have a theory that everybody's primary sport isn't too hard for them. So that's a good. I I went back and forth on two 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 answers here. Uh, and I settled on, I'm, I'm going to call it baseball, even though it's what I'm really going to refer to as slow pitch softball. But the point, the point being, um, I did not have an appreciation for how hard it is to one swing a bat or two even catch a fly ball. Like it's it's something that theoretically just seems so simple, and you watch like yeah. you know the high fly ball to the outfield is it looks like the simplest thing ever on TV. That is one of the most challenging hand-eye coordination moments I've ever had in my life. Is trying to judge <laughs> this thing that's you know 60, 70 feet up in the air coming down, and not only is it in the air, it's moving forward. And I've got or backwards, and I've got to judge which direction do I need to go. Very, um, very I got a li- I got a little bit better at swinging a bat throughout the season um, when I, when I played you know rec league slow pitch softball. But I, I would still say on the legs alone of trying to catch a fly ball and appreciating how difficult that is. I, I would say that was the most difficult time I've ever had with a sport. Vince, it was not my primary. Vince, I'll talk next here. I did not see that coming. I thought it was going to be some. I thought it was going to be some grueling sport like hockey or. No, or, or no, cuts. it was going to. It was that or golf for me, and, and golf. Jerry, I feel Jerry, like golf, I have gotten yeah. better at. Golf, <laughs> golf is on my list, Jerry. Golf is on yeah. my list for sure. I, yeah, I, I have not even a close second. When I was in chiropractic school. I was in pretty good shape. You know, I, I had just finished. Like, I had finished playing pro basketball, went to chiropractic school. You know, and, and I stayed in shape in those, in those that year uh, in between. So I was in great shape. And one of my classmates, this is my first year uh, of a four-year program, one of my classmates said, come on, let's, let's do a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> I figured yeah. I was, no problem. You know, I'll, I'll run my, I'll, I'll go run three, four miles a day, and we'll just go down there in, to the Atlanta Marathon one day. I was in, a, so I go down to Atlanta, and by like the 18th, 19th mile, yep, I, I actually did. I don't know where this came up, but I actually started cutting corners. I, I cut across town. <laughs> I, I, and and I, I had to lay down in, in the medical tent for a while. 
And, yeah, and, and I, I did some five and ten mile runs. I was in good shape, but that was by far. There's no, not even a close second. Swimming was tough because I wasn't very good at it. Jared, I'm comparing that right. to you with baseball. I competitively swam until I started my basketball career in ninth grade as a 14 year old, and I struggled every uh, every practice. My eyes yeah. hurt. The chlorine hurt. The, yeah, I wasn't very good at it, and I didn't realize how much more fun a sport was going to be when I was really good at it. <laughs> so Definitely. I don't know. And I, I, I will say, as a runner, Jim, like I, I died in a marathon. Like I thought it was, but by mile eighteen or nineteen, is when my body was like, "There's eight more miles to go." Are you kidding me? Like <laughs> what? Know. That is what that right there is in my list as well because the half mile, you know, thirteen miles, like that wasn't too bad. Fifteen miles, cool, but eighteen miles, man, my body wanted to shut down completely. That's no joke. 707-895-2448. What's the hardest, most difficult sport you ever played? Not counting your primary sport. Is that is that the question, Vince? Yeah, basically. I mean, some people may call in who aren't, who never had a primary sport, but tried something and it was really difficult. I mean, it could be kayaking. It could be surfing. I mean, have you ever tried paddling out on a surfboard? That is that is a workout on its own. Oh, just so kidding. there's so yeah. many things. Like I'm curious to hear people say because uh, what people do and make it look easy is impressive when you've actually tried it. So I want to go ahead. Well, I was going to say this. This isn't the this the specific question, but one that I thought was going to be difficult that I picked up quicker than I thought I would was downhill skiing. The one time I've done it, I. I thought that was going to be one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. And I was impressed with myself, how I got to, by no means am I an expert, but how I got to functionally being able to ski within a yeah. three, four hour period. You did, like, you, I, I thought that was going to be a lot more difficult than it was. I think you did it at the right age too, Jerry. You, you, true. You, yeah, you true. wouldn't, true. You, you were okay with falling. You weren't hurting yourself every time you fall. Like, sure, sure. like an older person would Vince, uh, the phones are ringing. Thanks, Vince. You're on the air. Yeah, you know, I've done a lot of sports in my life. Most of my life was sports of one type or another. Everything from racing motorcycles to rock climbing to wrestling, boxing, martial arts, dirt bikes, you know, everything, you know, all these different sports. And I would say that as far as the sport that just was absolutely physically exhausting the combination of of uh, anaerobic and aerobic at the same time that you're running into and ability to function when you couldn't breathe much was wrestling because wrestling. you're out there and like if you're in a sport where you can have a rhythm running for example huh. and you get a rhythm and you're able to continue on is entirely different than, say, a running sport where you have to stop and start, like soccer, or and where something where someone is knocking you off stride, someone is hitting you, somebody is slamming you down to the ground. It disrupts all the ways that your body functions when you've been able to establish any kind of a rhythm, and so a big part of wrestling is disrupting the other person's rhythm, so they're. Breathing's not working right. There, nothing is working right, and which allows you then, especially in any sort of upper levels of it, there is so much strategy involved 
in how you're trying to screw the other person up so their body's going to stop functioning properly for them. Their reflexes will stop working right. They'll run out of oxygen. And it's just, it was so incredibly exhausting to be trying to throw another person around while they're trying to throw you around, particularly when you both got pretty good at it. Yeah, so... I, whenever I go down to the weight room uh, to work with the basketball team that I, that I coach, we go white, we go right by the, uh, the wrestling room where, where the wrestling team uh, practices. And I have kind of poked my head in and just watched a little bit and caller. I think this goes to what you're saying a little bit and correct me if I'm wrong, but the thing that I noticed about it is that there's a lot of sports where there's a lot of unnecessary movement. Everything when I watch like wrestling practice and I see like, you know, sparring or whatever it would be called, every little movement seems so calculated where there's no wasted movement when two people are wrestling. Everything you do is with a very, very specific purpose as opposed to other sports where there's a lot more wasted movement, so to speak. If, if well, otherwise, you're going to gas out. Exactly. You won't be yeah, able to exactly. continue to function. And the other thing to remember about wrestling is you're going to walk in there and compete in that tournament, and you just sucked 20 pounds of moisture out of your body. Just so you can make Now, weight. a lot of people don't factor that in when they think about what that does to you. A lot of people that become the best wrestlers have this crazy ability to dehydrate themselves. And I have a friend who wrestled up in Oregon, that upper-level stuff, and he was talking about how, you know, they have these rules now where you're not supposed to cut more than a certain amount of weight. You're not supposed to use plastics, and they'd have plastics underneath their sweat clothes because, you know, they were trying to cut weight, you know, to go from 160 to 135 pounds. And, and that, that is an intrinsic element, people taking diuretics, people doing all these things that allow them to wrestle in a weight class because everybody else is doing it too. It's like being in an environment where people are taking steroids, and you all have to take steroids, otherwise the guy that's on steroids just rip you to shreds. And so you have to cut weight. And that combination of the intensity of that sport mixed with the extreme dehydration and, and you know, really not eating properly for that whole season. I mean, I, at the end of wrestling season, most of my strength would be gone. You know, I could go in and try and bench press, and I'd be 100 pounds less on my bench press than I was at the beginning of the season. Well, hold on here a second. I, I have two things. I, even as a high, I, I, I never got to wrestle. It was the same season as as basketball. And anyone that's into, you know, high school sports realizes wrestling's winter That's sport. why I never got to play basketball. Right. <laughs> and and I, even back then, as as a seventeen year old, you know, in in the uh, late sixties, early seventies, where we really didn't think drugs were going to hurt us very much, and and I I would come to school watching the wrestlers come to school wrapped in rubber suits, yeah. losing weight during school just by walking around, and I, I I just said to myself, this isn't right, this isn't healthy, and, and as I said. Um, we weren't doing a lot of healthy stuff besides playing sports um, and academics um, in, in the early seven. At least my crowd, my my friends weren't in college and in high right. school. And 
I thought it was really unhealthy, and I've just and thought something's got to change, and it seemed like it hasn't changed yet. Have they ever changed? Made it such like you got you you can't just lose thirty pounds two days before a wrestling match and and then go in that weight group. It just didn't make sense to me. There has well, to be usually a- you spend about a week doing that, and uh, and there's all sorts of tricks to it now because they did pass rules. You know, you can't, you know, wrestle up more than two weight classes above what you weigh. You're trying to protect people various different ways they did. You know, you're only allowed to go so much down after the beginning of the season. But people game the system. You know, wrestlers aren't stupid. It's just a game of rules, right? You look at all the rules and you say, okay, well, here's what I do when they're going to have their initial way of the season. I have to have cut dramatically before I get to that beginning of the season weigh-in. And then my weight's going to yo-yo all the rest of the season as I, you know, try and recover after a tournament. You know, then I got to cut down for the next week, and then I'm recovering again. And and it's just a game of peaks and valleys of trying to survive the season. And very often, it's the people that are good at doing that that wind up winning because they're somehow physiologically able to handle that dehydration better than others. I just don't think it's. I think they they just have to figure out a different way to to do it. That's all. Well, they tried. They they yeah. took them where they made you you know dunk you in the dunk tank where they weigh you. You know they able to find out the specific gravity of your body and they used that for a while to try and decide how much weight they were going to let you to use. But people gained that too. You know, people find ways to win. Find ways to get an advantage. You know that's. That's most sport, right? You find a way to get advantage, whether it's training or better shoes or better pole vault poles or whatever it is. You're always trying to get an edge. All right, gentlemen, love your show. Thanks very much. Thank you. Wow, Jer, wrestling. I never thought about that one. No, it's it's up there for sure. I I, I, I can imagine I'd be terrible at it. Uh, 707-895-2448. Give us a ring if you've got anything you want to talk about going on in the world of sports. 707-895-2448, about halfway through the sports phone here. Uh, so give us a call if you've got anything you want to talk about in the world of sports in the next half hour. Yeah, bring or up something so. new. Or, bring up something new or tell us what the hardest sport you ever tried is. What 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 was the most grueling? What what was what were you lousy at? Everyone talks about what sport they're good at. Um, I was terrible at swimming. Um, what's next? Jerry, you texted me. I had this great long prepared list. Oh, yeah. And you texted me saying, oh, I, I got another one and you don't even have to prepare for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's it's an update to a story that we talked about a long time ago. Now, the I Washington think... football team has a new name. Oh, jeez, that's right. And it's oh. terrible. It's, it's how, so how, bad. Commanders? The Commanders. Is that what is the That's not a that's not a Native American word? No, it's it, they're going with a military thing. They're in Washington oh. DC that they're going the military route. It's just I <laughs> I remember when this like topic started, there were so many good ideas out there that I thought were getting thrown around. Like the, I thought Washington Red Tails was one of the coolest ones because it was an, an homage to a, a group of fighter pilots. But there, if you're going to go the military route, there, there's even within that, there's so many good names you could have chosen. And to come up with something as generic as Commander's I I wish they had just stayed the Washington football team. 
Because I was getting used to that. I thought that that was actually getting kind of catchy. Like, I thought it wasn't as it was. It was a, a stopgap, but I actually didn't think it was too bad. But if you're gonna do something like this, they should have just gone all the way and just called themselves the Washington Generals and just made fun of themselves. Like, there, I, I just there. There's so many better options. Any than this. idea? Do you, do you have any idea of the um, of the process? Of of what 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 process came up with what what didn't allow the red tails and what did allow no the commanders? I, I don't but then that's the other part of this I was I was talking about it with a with a friend of mine and it's kind of thinking like there's a group of people at a table somewhere oh, of course that oh, yeah, came to the decision yes this is the best option that we have and I don't know if it was marketing or you know the CEO of the team and the owner or like what combination of it. But I just wish I could have been there for the decision to be made at that table. That commanders is the best name that we can come up with. I, I say that a lot. I, I, I say that, you know, somebody had to be sitting around the table and, and discuss this and come up with it. I, I always wanted to, you know, when they were just sitting around, you know, wondering about this isn't sports, but, when they're just sitting around the table deciding, okay, what's Seinfeld going to talk about this week, you know, on the show? Like somebody had to be sitting around at the table discussing those things, and I always yeah. wonder, you know. And this is the same idea. How did they pick the Washington Commanders? Because I think we, I think when we sit, when we get together to talk about topics, we usually come up with some decent stuff, and we don't pick the worst topic every week. <laughs> I just feel like of the list of options that was being floated out there, it's like this is what is being considered. You just came up with the most generic, boring word that you could have ever come up with. I just think it's, I, they, yeah, I don't know. It's bad. I just wish they had stayed the Washington football team. So it's not a long conversation. I just thought it was funny and, and was worth bringing up. That just, oh, well, that I, was I wanna, a big I wanna letdown. Continue, I want to continue with the NFL. That was a good one, Jeff. Yeah, I want to sure. continue with the NFL in a second here. But are there any other teams out there that have declared, like, are the Cleveland Indians still the Cleveland Indians? No, they're the Cleveland Guardians now. Really? How yeah, that been... changed. That changed a while ago. They were they were the first one to do it. How many? Is there anybody out there like the Washington um, uh, Commanders that are that are in the process of changing right now? There, there's no one in the process right now, but. And again, there, I, it's always a little murky where, with the ones that are kind of like approved by Indian reservations and the ones that aren't. Like I know Florida State is in oh. the clear. They've gotten permission from the Seminole Indian tribe to use that name. Um, I, I think the one that I see talked about a lot is the Kansas City Chiefs, oh. as that's the next one that should probably go. Huh. Um, my mom... My, my, I think I can't remember what my mom told me, but my high school team are the Jamestown Red Raiders, right? And I think that is in the process of being changed. Hello, you're on the sports phone. Hi, um, I'll tie it into wrestling. Wrestlers, um, if one such as I had to at different time pull wrestlers out of the water because they were in trouble trying to swim. They weigh a lot. And with most people that you're taking out of the water, they have some buoyancy and wrestlers. And also, um, 
long-distance runners have no body fat, so they have no buoyancy, and some wrestlers are mighty heavy, but I will say they were generally cooperative, so at least there was that. And speaking of tough sports, water polo is right up there, and I did play water polo, and I was okay at it because I was a really good swimmer, but water polo is a very tough sport. It was and tough. My, my, high sc- my high school had competitive water polo, and the only people yeah. that could do it were the were the were the the trained um, swim team. No, no one could well, make yeah. that team. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really uh, it's a tough sport. Hmm. You think just swimming around, throwing the ball around is easy, but you got to remember you can't touch the bottom. So that's how I was just going to say that's that's a major rule. No matter how <laughs> deep it is, you can't touch the bottom. Well, thanks for that. Thanks for the call. You're welcome. Water polo, Jerry. That's I don't know. I, you know, water polo. I think I, most I, people haven't even tried. <laughs> I remember watching it the first time in the Olympics, and and thinking I don't know. Like I understood that the players were swimming, but I thought the goalies got to like stand on a platform. I think they do. I do. I really think no. They, they do. don't. They're treading water the whole time. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Which then leads to the part of like how explosive they are. Like being able to get out of the water to make like an attempt at a save. It's I enjoy that sport. It, it's one of those ones that I will never watch anywhere except during the Olympics. If if I'm flipping through the Olympic stuff and I see it, I'll absolutely turn that on and watch it. It's it I really enjoy it because it's a sport that I don't think conceptually is hard to follow. Like it's yeah, this right. blend of like basketball, there's a penalty box, so there's a hockey element to it. It's I don't know all the rules. But it's very easy to understand what's going on because it is so similar to other sports, it's a net just sport. in terms of how it's set up. It's soccer on top, of, but the ball's about the only thing that's floating. Right, and there's a penalty box, yeah. so it's got like a hockey element. I would say hockey's the closest sport to it. All right, we got two texts when uh, when we were talking about the Washington, the now Washington Commanders. Um, and the more I say it, the more I like the Washington football team as well. That's what I mean. It's just it's let's, better. Let's uh, we're we we got that far into the NFL, and it is Super Bowl week, you know. So, um, the NFL is on top right now, top of their game. But, um, Jared, how about a quick update or, or quick explanation um, on the controversy? And I think it's very well timed, right during. Um, the biggest week for football, Super Bowl, two weeks. Um, a lawsuit against the entire NFL came out by Brian Flores. 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 Let's hear it. Yeah. So uh, this is a it's a it's an evolving story, right? Um, yeah. But the short version of it is the is that Brian Brian Flores, who is the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, is suing the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, and two other teams uh, for alleged racism in their hiring practices. Um, This all started... The the irony of all this is this all started because an old white NFL coach doesn't know how to use a cell phone. That's what I was going to say. That's the the best part of this whole story. Um, But basically, Flores is, is filing a lawsuit saying... Um, he was interviewed with no intention of even like getting a chance. It was just an interview that the NFL teams did to meet 
uh, NFL hiring interview process rules. There, there's rules in place about how many people you have to interview and the formats and stuff like that. So he's basically filing a lawsuit saying that teams made decisions before he interviewed him. Uh, I, I won't go into it in a ton of detail just because it's one of those things that like is it's tricky and it gets into a lot of details, but the bottom line being he was, he's a very good coach. He led a very dysfunctional organization to back-to-back winning seasons, got fired and then had what he called a bunch of sham interviews and is now suing the NFL. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen with this. I'm not a legal expert. I, I will say, though, that this is a issue that comes up, like it seems, every few years with the NFL with their minority coaching practices. And I think now with Flores not coaching, I believe there's only one, maybe two other black coaches in the NFL, head coaches. And a very um, high percentage of players are black, I believe. Right, right. So it's... I don't know legally what's going to happen with this, but it's this is something that it seems like whenever there's a lot of openings in the NFL, um, this always comes up, and well, and it, it's something that just becomes a recurring thing. In case um, someone, in case someone's hearing this on the sports phone for the first time, uh, but the part Jerry said was that broke this story. I do want to explain a little bit of detail. This is the best part of the story. Bill Belichick, one of the most successful, that's his name, right? One of the most successful football I would coaches. call him, I, I, would, I would remove the one of, I would call him the most successful, most successful coach, coach in NFL history. In yeah. NFL history. It's, it's a Phil Jackson of the NFL, that kind of thing. Red Orbeck for, to basketball players. So, he writes a text that says, congratulations on getting the Giants job, basically. I don't have the text. I, I, I have to Brian Flores. Sent this message to Brian Flores. Well, he, he was trying to send it to another guy that interviewed before Brian Flores. Right, right. And he sent it to Brian Flores by mistake saying, hey, congratulations for getting the coaching job. Who he hadn't, hadn't even, and, and at the time, Flores <laughs> hadn't even interviewed yet. I know. I know. It's just, it's, it's... And Bill Belichick, and there was actually, Brian Flores even responded as the other guy, and and Bill Belichick responded back to him. Bill Belichick didn't know he was talking to the wrong person. It's just, it's, uh, that's that could hurt the NFL. I don't know. I, I, I personally don't think the lawsuit will go too far. I don't agree with uh, racial discrimination, discrimination and hiring in the NFL, but... I got a feeling a lot of the stuff that I read about in the lawsuit is going to be hard to prove. Yeah, it, it it's whether or not it's it's easy or hard to prove, and like I said, kind of whatever comes of it. At some point, this is going to get have to get addressed because it just it keeps coming up over and over again. Where every time there's a lot of openings, there are very high profile black coordinators or assistant coaches that don't get these jobs. And so at it, it, some point, something will get, I imagine something's going to give, but who knows when it's going to be. Uh, I, wish, I wish Brian Flores the best because he's, he's fighting the good fight here. Uh, are, so, are, are there women on, on the NFL coach, coaching? Yeah, there's, there's a few. Yeah? Yeah, I think there's a few strength coaches or things along those lines. Oh, tra- trainers and, and strength yeah. coaches and stuff, huh? Yeah. 
707-895-2448. Give us a ring if you've got anything you want to talk about going on in the world of sports. 707-895-2448. That's the number to call if you've got anything you want to talk about going on in the world of sports. We've got about 15 minutes left on the sports phone here. Uh, so give us a call if you've got anything you'd like to bring up. 707-895-2448. Uh, Jim, I have a question for you. Yeah. How much would you pay for a piece of paper? Well, uh, I'll buy here. It depends what's on the piece of paper. <laughs> so, so the follow-up question of how much would you pay for half a piece of paper? You're not going to give me an answer there either. Oh, it depends what's on the. It depends what's on that. <laughs> depends half. what's on that half a piece of. And paper. depends what what's on the other half too. I guess. So, go ahead. So this 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 story I I saw as we were getting the show ready, and I I am a. This is. Perfect. I'm not like an expert on sports memorabilia by any means, but I love talking about it because I find it super fascinating. I have a basketball signed by Michael Jordan, which I recently recently found out was worth a lot more than I thought it was. Um, so I like kind of checking in on these types of stories. Um, uh, Honus Wagner, who is a baseball player, uh, has the most, I would say, sought after or rare baseball card in existence, which is called, which is the T206 Honus Wagner card. Um, there are, I believe, 60 known copies of it in the entire world the most recent one that was in or the most expensive version of it that went up for auction was a was sold for 6.6 million dollars um in an auction uh the reason i asked jim the question about a half a piece of paper was today a a half of a t206 honus wagner card so literally and there's a picture of it it's the card, but it's half of it. It's ripped in half. Is it ripped um, or cut with scissors? It's ripped. It's not a perfect cut. It, it's definitely got some ridges and angles to it. But this half a baseball card, and I think at some level this shows legitimately what the value of this card is. A half a baseball card was sold for $475,960. So call it if you rounded it up a half million dollars. Um which received a genuine categorization from like a grading agency and genuine basically means, Hey, it's the real thing, but it's just beat to, you know, all whatever you want to, whatever adjective you want to use. Um, so it's, it's a total mess. It's real. But other than that, it's, it's basically worthless. But even at that level, this card is worth almost a half a million dollars. So I just thought that that was really, really funny. Uh, that someone paid a half million dollars for half a baseball card. I and and someone paid six million for a, for a the full a, one. full card. So yeah. so for some reason unknown reason I guess I guess baseball memorabilia is is pure um, supply and demand when it comes down to the famous people. Right. Um, th- this is sells higher than than um, any Babe Ruth card. Yeah. So I pulled a list and I. I'm assuming this is semi-accurate because it's from a like a sports memorabilia website, so to speak. Sure. Um, the most valuable piece of sports memorabilia sold at auction was the, and I don't have any context to what context to what this is, but it is the original Olympic Games manifesto. What's a I manifesto? can't read it. I don't know what it is, but that that was sold at auction for eight point eight million dollars. What is so? A man- what's the definition of a manifesto? 
I, I think it's like a statement of belief or something. I don't know. I usually hear oh. it in like negative connotations where you hear like oh, right, you know, right, this criminal's right, right. manifesto or something like that. But that is apparently the most expensive item that was sold at auction. The $6.6 million Honus Wagner card is behind that. That is the second most. And then you brought up Babe Ruth. Um, he has the third most valuable uh, but it is not a baseball card. A jersey of his that he wore from 1928 to 1930 was sold at auction for $5.6 that that only That's a one-of-a-kind. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's a oh. one-of-a-kind jersey. So I've always, heard, I've always heard about the Mickey Mantle rookie card. Is there anything yep. on there about that? Yep. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's his rookie card, um, but Mickey Mantle, uh, top condition, was sold... Uh, the value of it at auction was $5.2 million. I, I've seen that card live. I, I know one of my friends mm -hmm. had it. So, so this brings up the question. If you're from my era, you can ask almost any, any man that's 60-something years old that followed sports. Let me just leave it mm -hmm. at that. Had a baseball card collection. Everybody, even my friends that weren't that into baseball, they still had a baseball card collection. Mm. My question out there is, where did yours go? Where, where did yeah. where did your collection? Well, I know mine went. My mom. What I had dumpster this, did it end up in? I, I know. I and there's so many people. So that's why there were so much because right. We used to buy them for a nickel. You got a piece of gum and you got five baseball cards every time you paid a nickel. And we would, I, would, I had a shoebox for the Yankees, a shoebox for the Red Sox, whatever. So at one point in my life, and there were all kinds of sports memorabilia in this teeny little cupboard in my room. I had this weird angled room above the garage. And in that room above the garage, there was this little closet where you had to actually crawl into. And I had trophies in there when i went to college at one point my mom put all my stuff in there and then at one point she said you got to clean out that 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 closet and get rid of anything you don't want or three years from now i'm going to clean it out so i put it off yeah i'll do it next christmas this well finally i just said get rid of everything i think that's where my baseball cards went you know it, it's it's uh it was sad hello call you're on the air oh <clears throat> this topic touches my heart <laughs> I, I grew up my I grew up going to baseball card shows. My dad had a gigantic baseball card collection and would actually sell at a show. Wow. Um, usually somebody you know usually somebody was signing autographs and being uh, like Hank Aaron, uh, Whitey Ford. Like I've, I've definitely have gotten autographs from my dad or my mom has many a times waiting in line for two and a half hours, <clears throat> um, and while he was selling baseball cards. So for at least a decade. I was immersed in the baseball card collecting selling world and it was it was interesting how a little piece of paper with someone's bio and some stats on it and a picture could be sought after so heavily and so valuable it it kind of doesn't make sense but it, it's intriguing and interesting at the same time I I, I just had to chime in here cuz it's a it, I, you know very near and dear to my my life. It's, uh, it's good. The, Vince, the, the part of this that's really fascinating to me, and this is, I, I'm going to say this is sports related, even though it's, it's, it's not in a way. Um, but I, the, the thing that I find really fascinating about this is every era has had their version 
of the parents that have thrown away the baseball cards. Like, <laughs> like my era. What did I throw two, away of yours? I'm getting there. Uh, so so it, it wasn't me specifically because I wasn't into either one of these things. But my era's version of this is Beanie Beans. Yeah. Yep. Where it's like these were stuffed animals that pe- that I thought that everyone thought were stupid, but the one person that held on to them, there's beanie babies that go for five, six hundred thousand dollars that in terms of their yep. value. Um there were uh, collectible cards, um, known as Pokemon cards. That was the, just yep. this silly thing that came from Japan and now they're worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, and these were things that I grew up with in the nineties. So it's just like I, it's just really fascinating to me that even that your guys' era of this was baseball cards, but every kind of group of generations, there's always going to be that thing that's collectible that no one thinks has any value. But if you flash ahead 30, 40 years, it's going to be super collectible for whatever reason. Well, here, here's um, another one, Jerry, from my childhood would be cabbage patch doll. Same yeah. idea. Yep. Yep. So yeah, yeah, good, good, good call on that. Like it wasn't just baseball cards. I mean, obviously no. I was in that world, and Jim knows it. Like how many kids back in the '40s and '50s and '60s took a baseball card, bent it in half, and, and clothes pinned it to their their tire uh, wheel, so it would like make yep. a to make it sound, sound like an engine, you know. And that could have been that could have been a, a Mickey Mantle card, you know. It didn't yep. matter back then. Yep. <laughs> like, well, and that's and that's had. why. That's why when I went to get this Michael Jordan basketball car, uh, basketball appraised, so to speak, and they made an offer on it, and I thought it was a really fair offer, I called Jim. I said, they're offering me this, and Jim said, no, just wait another 40 years and then see how much it's worth. And, <laughs> unless, you know, you need, you unless you're starving right now, I say hold on to it. Yeah. No, that's something that will only go up in value. I mean, go ahead, Jerry, tell, that, tell, that, tell them what they tell them what they thought the uh, Michael Jordan signed basketball was worth. Yours, yours was authenticated with a with a piece of paper, right? That's yep, it. it was a fully authenticated. They didn't check that at all. They looked at it, and knew immediately it was authentic. They offered me, I believe, twenty five hundred for it. And and uh, the history of that. Here's a little different. We used to collect the baseball cards. Michael Jordan, you got that in a Michael Jordan camp where it's a little changed yeah. nowadays. He signed yeah. part of your fee to go to that camp, 700 bucks, whatever it was, to go to Michael Jordan's flight school. Great name for a basketball camp. Terrible basketball camp. It was Good name. No, Terrible as camp. compared to other camps we went to, yeah. it wasn't that good. Yeah. But yeah. at the end of it, he uh, sat down. And signed one thing of everyone there. I saw kids had little mini basketballs. We bought you a, a brand new basketball. Some kids they just had him sign his shoes, whatever. Mm-hmm. That, that that um, but there's well, that, that made the camp that, that made the camp worth it right there. <laughs> if you saved it, yeah, it, it def- yeah definitely. Sure. If you saved it, huh. yeah. Wow. A uh, few other items that I thought were interesting on this list: uh, the original 1891 Joe Naismith's rule of basketball. Uh, that sold at an auction for $4 million. Mark McGuire's 70th home run ball sold. Uh, last The last time it sold was $3 million. Uh, so there's a lot of good stuff out there uh, that, that has been sold at auction. Um, it's funny, Jim, you brought up Babe Ruth. There's a bunch of Babe Ruth stuff on here. None of it is a baseball card. It's jerseys and World Series rings and stuff like that. Well, here's a good one that somebody should hold on to is, is – uh... In the last Tampa Bay playoff game, uh, 
two weeks ago. Tom Brady threw his final touchdown pass as an NFL quarterback, and the receiver threw it into the stand. Really? Right, and right. So, <laughs> so some lucky guy at the stand, uh, at, the, at the game, or, or a woman, walks away with Tom Brady's last touchdown pass of, of his career. I mean, that's, that's got to be, you know, something you hold on to. Yeah, that's, can that's you imagine how... Can you imagine the chaos of authenticating that, though? Like, in, in certain worlds where, like, so many people could try to make that claim. Hopefully that, that well, guy did, or whoever got that ball, did something to authenticate that pretty quickly. Well, that 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 and uh, I would imagine the NFL is going to come after that football. You know, sure. Tom Brady's yeah, going to yeah, want yeah, that or something, sure. you know, yep. like, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> hilarious. We're right, uh, we're... Great stuff, guys. Uh, thanks, thanks for everything. I'll uh, talk to you next week. Great topic thanks, Vince. tonight, Vince. Thanks yes, for bringing it thanks. up. All right. Well, we're going to wrap things up here. Thanks for everyone for calling in and listening to the show. Uh, we'll be back next week. It will be uh, the 13th. Uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. So uh, that's, uh, that's uh, going to be going on as well. Uh, hopefully there's not going to be too much of a conflict there. Um, but we're looking forward to next week. So we'll be back. Uh, next week on the sports phone. Uh, thanks to everyone that listened, that called in and brought up topics. And we're going to wrap it up. Thanks as always, Jim. It's a pleasure. All righty. That's it for tonight. Get rid of that call. That's in, in um, it for tonight. We will have a show next week, Super Bowl Sunday. We might get a little creative. Um, um, I believe the game starts at Three. Someone else said four. Um, and uh, we think it'll be in about in the fourth quarter during the uh, the sports phone. So we're not sure what we're going to do, but um, I am committing right now to doing something um, for the sports phone next week. As always, it's a great way to end the week. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Woolets and Ukiah, 91.5 FM. And Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening.